السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام والتمان الأكملان على خير خلق الله أجمعين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن سار على سبيله ونهجه واستنى بسنته واهتدى بهده إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد uh, so I'm just going to inshallah ta'ala begin today uh, and if there are any issues with sound then I'm assuming that someone will let me know uh, in the comment section if there's an issue or anything but inshallah ta'ala there won't be so last week we began or we continued with, this, with the tafsir of surah al-ghashiyah and we covered verses 2, 3 and 4 and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 1 after speaking about uh, or naming or giving us one of the names or one of the descriptions of Yom Al-Qiyamah is that it is a overwhelming event that it is something which uh, which which encompasses everything on that day it is something which is overwhelming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verses 2 onwards he spoke about a group of people because as we know on Yom Al-Qiyamah there will be two groups of people there will be the people of the fire and the people of Jannah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes in the Qur'an, when Allah Azzawajal speaks about something, He begins with the people of Jannah. And then He speaks about the people of the fire. And sometimes Allah Azzawajal reverses the two. And He mentions the people of the fire before He mentions the people of Jannah. So for example, if you look at Surah Al-Waqi'ah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by mentioning the Sabiqoon as Sabiqoon. And then He mentions the Ashabul Yameen. And both of those two groups are from the people of Jannah. So they are you know, under that general umbrella of being from the people of paradise. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Ashabu shimal or the people of the left that are the people of the fire. And so in that surah, it is the people of Jannah that are mentioned first and then the people of the fire. But sometimes it is reversed as is done in a number of places in the Quran. And so from those examples is Surah Al-Ghashiyah where Allah Azzawajal mentions the people of the fire first and then he will go on to speak about the people of Jannah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 2, 3 and 4, He gives us a number of descriptions regarding the people of the fire and their situation and what, what, uh, what they will be in and what they will experience on Yom Al-Qiyam on the Day of Judgment. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, and that's why if you look for example in the books of Tafsir, there are Tafsir al-Lugha or the books of Tafsir that speak about the, uh, you know, the Arabic grammar and, and, its, uh, and the eloquence of the Arabic language and so on. When it comes to the surah, you will find that they say concerning, you know, verses 2, 3, 4, 5, these are all sifat, sifa, 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 meaning that they're all added descriptions of the wujuh that Allah Azzawajal begins with of, in verse number 2. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wujuhun yawma idhin khashia, faces upon that day will be downcast, they will be humbled. And then Allah Azzawajal mentions a number of other descriptions that will take place to those faces. And as we said last week, faces are mentioned here. Not because it is only the face that is going to be rewarded or going to be punished, but faces are mentioned because the Arabs often speak about the most honorable part of the body or the most noble part of the body, uh, and that is the face. Right? That's where that's what people look at. That's what people interact with at the at first instance. It's, it's often the way we, we first judge people by looking at their facial features. Is often the way that we communicate by seeing the way that people express themselves via their facial features smiling, frowning, happy, sad, angry, all of those things are found often in the face before they are found elsewhere in the body. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions likewise that, that those people, and Allah uses the word faces, 
that they will be downcast. So that's the first description that we're given. And if you look at this surah, and sometimes this is difficult to do, and I think we've mentioned this point before, when you do an in-depth tafsir and you take one verse at a time or two or three verses at a time, it is sometimes difficult to, uh, to remember the whole uh, context of the surah and, and to bring all of those verses together and to remember them within a sequence. So you take one verse and two verses, but then the next week when you come and you take the next two verses, you've almost disassociated, disconnected them from the previous two verses, just simply by virtue of the style of tafsir. It is therefore important for us as students of tafsir that we're constantly you know, recapping and revising and so on. And so sometimes I do less and sometimes I do more. I try to do more of a recap when the verses are very strongly linked together, as they still are because we're still speaking here about the people of the fire. But even if I don't do so, it's something which you need to do because one of the things that you will find uh, within these verses is that Allah is giving us a bayan, like from ilmul bayan, from the science of the, that the Arabs have of their eloquence, is something called ilmul bayan, where essentially you're getting a, a mental picture is being painted for you. You're essentially getting an image that has been given to you of how those people will be on the day of judgment. And those descriptions that Allah chooses are descriptions that we can all relate to. Even though the reality of Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the reality of what people will face on that day will be far, far greater than anything we can possibly imagine. Just as the same will be for the people of reward and the people of Jannah. But the concepts, the ideas, the images are things that we can relate to. They are things that we are familiar with. So when you say that someone's being humbled or someone's being downcast or someone's being degraded or someone's being humiliated or someone is being punished or they're in abject terror or they're experiencing immense pain those are things that we can relate to because at one stage or in one form or another all of us have experienced some pain all of us have experienced some type of humiliation all of us have experienced others oppressing us and so on and so forth and so it is therefore easy to be able to relate to at least the concept and then what we understand from the quran and the sunnah is that whatever you see or whatever you experience or whatever you think you know then that is something which will be multiplied manifold when it comes to the reality of it being on Yom Al-Qiyamah, whether that's in terms of reward or whether that's in, term of, in terms of punishment. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us these descriptions and that is why the scholars of tafsir, when they speak about khashia, as we said last week, they speak about people who are downcast, people that are humble, people that are humiliated, people that won't have the audacity to speak or to move or to do anything on that day except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's express permission and that is because of the fear that they will be will be in and the terrors that they will experience on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us another two descriptions in verse number three, as we covered last week, Amilatun Nasiba, toiling and weary. And therefore you see again this image of people on the day of judgment, the people of the fire, that they will be people of extreme exhaustion, people who are weary, people who have labored, people who are, have toiled, people who have come and they're extremely fatigued and weary. And that's because they, uh, you know, they, they have used their life in this dunya in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in doing evil, as we mentioned last week, as some of the scholars of tafsir from amongst the salaf said, that they spent this life toiling and laboring in evil and in sin, so they will come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah being weary. And others from amongst them said that it refers to the punishment that they will have in the fire itself on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, that within it, they will be made to, to work and they will be weary and they will be laboring and so on. And so it's not that they're just sitting in one place being punished, but that they are actually having to do things that will increase that punishment upon them. And Allah Azza wa knows best. 
But again, the point here being is look at the imagery that we're being given. Look at the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the descriptions that Allah is choosing to describe the people of the fire. And that is that those people have no, uh, you know, no, uh, any, even the form or the concept of anything which is positive is, is uh, re- refused to them. It is completely rejected. It is negated from them. So, for example, <coughs> if someone is, is just sitting, even if they're being punished, but they're sitting, there denotes within that sitting a form of rest, a form of respite. Because if you're sitting, like we're sitting now, where I'm sitting on this chair, even though I'm talking and I'm busy and it's taking energy and I'm tired, I'm maybe mentally it's, it's fatigued, you know, I'm fatigued, it's something which is taking mental energy and physical energy and whatever else, but I am still sitting. So there is a level of comfort and there is a level of respite and there is a level of rest. But when you say that someone isn't even afforded that smallest thing, toiling, weary, whatever tafsir of the self that we take with regards to its meaning, what we're denoting or what what we're negating from those people of the fire is that they have any type of respite, any type of rest. Because even in the dunya, the worst type of punishment and the worst type of torture and oppression within it there will be times of rest because the person doing the torturing will become tired or the person who's being tortured will become so weak and they will be overcome with so much pain that if they continue, they'll end up killing them. So what they will do is they will give them time to rest. They will give them an hour, they will give them two, maybe a day, whatever, and then they start again. Within that, there is always some type of rest. You give them a bit of water, you give them a bit of food, you give them something. But as we see now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning these people, they have nothing. In terms of their food, in terms of their drink, in terms of their position in the fire, in terms of the way that they're made to behave and be in that fire, everything, all of it is, there is no comfort or no respite in it. And that is something which is important to understand when it comes to the punishment of the fire. It's unlike anything that you can imagine. To to uh, compare the fire and its punishment to prison in this dunya, or to a torture in this dunya and so on. And that doesn't mean you know, in any way that those things are easy or light or that they should be taken you know, lightly. Obviously, each one of those is, 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 is difficult and severe in its own way. But the punishment of Allah Azza wa Jal, there is nothing more severe than it. The anger and the wrath of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala and the fire that Allah Azza wa Jal has prepared, there is nothing comparable to it. And then in verse number four, as we mentioned last week, Allah Azza wa Jal says that they will enter Naran Hamiyah, the blazing fire. A fire that has been raging and burning for thousands upon thousands of years. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it at the beginning of time. Meaning before the creation of Adam alayhi salam. As we know in a number of hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And as we mentioned, I believe, if I remember correctly last week, we mentioned this is one of the points of aqeedah that the ulama of Ahlul Sunnah and the Salaf always mention in their texts of aqeedah. That the fire and, and paradise are created, meaning that they're in existence already. And that is a major point of aqidah, because there are others who disagree with those points. But the general texts of the Quran and the Sunnah unanimously, all of them agree, all of those texts agree upon this point. And there are a number of them that we don't necessarily have time to go in now, but it's, I think, inshallah ta'ala, easy for a person, like for one of you to research and find them and see how, uh, how um, you know, those, those texts show the existence of the fire and paradise and so if if the fire has been burning and raging for that long and we said that the meaning of hamia according to a number of the scholars of tafsir is that it's something which doesn't lose any of its intensity any of its its raging fire so that fire is burning at the same 
height of intensity that it was meant to reach. It doesn't become lower. It doesn't like you know. It doesn't like need. Uh, it doesn't need fanning or extra fuel. It is always blazing, always at its most extreme, and so it is something which has been burning and raging for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And so when the day of judgment will come, it will be ready for those people that Allah has decreed, may Allah save us from that, that Allah has decreed that they will enter into the fire, it will be ready for them and they will enter into it uh, by Allah's command. So this week we continue from verses 5 onwards and we're still in the description of the people of the fire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions to us uh, in in the description from the descriptions of the people of the fire or the punishments that they will face in the fire is that Allah Azza wa says Tusqa min aynin aniyah Tusqa min aynin aniyah Allah Azza wa says and they will be forced to drink from a boiling spring that's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim uh, in Sahih International they will be given drink from a boiling spring uh, Mufti Taqi they will be made to drink water from a boiling spring and Muhsin Khan they will be given to drink from a boiling spring and most of like the translations that I found either say boiling spring or scolding spring or you know something very very similar in terms of the wording that is used so the and this is another description now this is another image that is being given and that is that those people of the fire who enter into the fire they already exhaust, exhausted, they're laboring, they're weary. nasiba. They are people who are extremely fatigued and exhausted and so on. And that shows again that you know there's no respite, there's no comfort, there's no joy. They enter and every one of us knows that if you've had a long hard day or if you've been working for three, four hours on a project and it's a physically intense thing or you've been exercising for like 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, one of the things that you crave most is to quench your thirst. You need a drink. You want some water, and that is something which gives you respite, and that 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 that, that blessing of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to be able to taste water after an intense workout or after working or after being busy or whatever it may be. Someone gives you a nice, cool glass of water. You get a, you find a cool drink. That is something which is amazing. The way that it feels, and it's a blessing of Allah Azza that we take for granted. But I'm sure all of us understand the beauty of that blessing at that time. And so for the people of the fire, they also want to quench their thirst. They will be in a raging fire and they will be toiling and weary and laboring and exhausted and fatigued. So they will want a drink. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another, in another verse of the Quran tells us they will ask for a drink and they will be given drink. But in this surah, Allah Azza wa just simply tells us the type of drink that they will be given. Tusqa min aynin aniyah. They will be made to drink from a boiling spring. So even in what they desire as comfort as respite as some type of uh, you know some type of uh, some type of of, of uh, joy and respite from the punishment and the evil that they're in that in and of itself will be denied from them denied to them and so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says tusqa min aynin aniya al-hasan al-basri rahimahullah ta'ala he said what do you think of a group of people that allah azza wa jal uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place them in the fire and they will stay therein for thousands of years. They won't drink and they won't eat until they have reached the maximum or the epitome of thirst. 
So Al-Hassan Basra is saying that they will stay within the fire for thousands of years, not being given anything to drink, not finding any food. And so it's not uh, just that they will be there for a day or two, even though that in and of itself, a moment in the fire, will probably more than uh, will be too much to bear in terms of the thirst that it will bring, bring about, let alone an hour, let alone a day or a month or a year. He says, and in some narrations of his, of his statement, he says for 50,000 years, they will remain in that state. What do you think of a group of people who have to wait for 50,000 years, not eating a single thing, not drinking a single thing, until they are you know, essentially going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're essentially like so thirsty that there is nothing left, that their, their, their veins are, are, are crying out for a drink and their stomachs are crying out for a small portion of food. And that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to them drink from a boiling, scalding spring of water. It's, it's, uh, it's water is as hot and as intense as the fire that they're trying to seek respite from. So even if it's a really hot day, and it's extremely hot and you're out in the sun, you know, for those of you that have been in hot climates and you're stuck outside for one reason or another, and I remember on more than one occasion, uh, you know, performing hajj in, in, in hot weather on the day of Arafah, when there's not really much that you can do and sometimes the air conditioning in those tents and so on, it breaks down. And I remembered being outside in the hot sun at Dhuhr time and then all of a sudden you come across someone who's giving out cold drinks. Even though the sun, the heat of the sun is so strong and it's bearing down upon you and its rays are strong upon you and you're hot and you're sweaty and so on, but drinking that drink or having that glass or cup of water or that bottle of water, it gives you a sense of respite. The sun's still there, the heat's still there, the, the, the fatigue is still there, the, you know, everything is still there, but you have respite in a different form. So this is what the people of the fire will be seeking. But rather than finding respite, they will find that that fire now has been turned into a drink for them and they are just essentially consuming a drink of boiling fire. And that is why Mujahid Taala said that it will reach the water, the spring of that water, it will reach its, its, its highest boiling point and when it does so, that will be the time when they won't drink and that is what will be given to them. And Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala said something similar. He said, والأرض, He said it is a spring that has been boiling and boiling since when Allah first created the heavens and the earth. From that time, meaning thousands or tens of thousands of years have taken place and this boiling, this water is, is this spring is boiling, 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 boiling. And so those thousands and thousands of years, it has been cooking and boiling and boiling and then it will be given to the people of the fire when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees it for them. Muqatil, uh, he has a, a, a statement uh, also speaking about how, you know, the just giving us like an image or, or, or explaining to us in a way that allows us to try to understand and appreciate uh, how difficult that day will be on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Muqatil, he says, uh, the Aynun Aniya, the boiling spring, comes and emerges from the depths of a mountain in the fire. The length or the height of this mountain is the distance of 70 years of travel. So the water comes from the, the, the essence or the foundation of this mountain, the base of this mountain, in the fire. It's whole, like it's, it's, it's the length of this mountain or the height of this mountain 
is 70 years of trouble, meaning that it's got to travel all that way, that water has to come up, that's 70 years, and constantly it's boiling, 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 boiling. And he said it will be black, like foul oil, oil that is extremely black, you know, the dirty oil that you get that is extremely black, that is the color of this water. He says, كَدِيرٌ غَلِيظٌ كَثِيرُ it is, it is thick and it is impure and it is full of every single impurity that you can imagine. It will be given to the people of the fire to drink by the angel from a, a cup that is made of iron also made out of fire. When the person is given to drink from that vessel that is made of fire that is iron, they will place it upon their lips and it will burn. And they will drink from it and everything in their mouth will burn. Their tongue, their teeth, everything within their mouth will burn. And everything within their, uh, you know, their, their throat and as that water goes down within their intestines and all of their internal organs will burn. And he says, so when it comes down to the heart and it comes past the heart and the organs and so on, it will burn. And he said, all of that, everything within a person will essentially mount the way that iron would mount when it becomes, when it is heated and it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes molten iron and it becomes liquid iron. That is essentially what will happen to everything within the body as that water is coming down. And so we see from this how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about this punishment of the fire. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect us and our families and our parents and our teachers from that. It is something which Allah Azza wa Jal describes here to show to us uh, the the severity of that punishment of the day of, of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so this is why, as we said last week, these, this is one of the surahs that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would recite in Salatul Jumu'ah, in Salatul Eid. It is one of those surahs that encompasses, for those people that understand its tafsir, and they contemplate over it, and they understand within those, you know, every week, within those few minutes that it's recited, it is a powerful reminder. So it's telling you that this will be the state of the people of the fire. And sometimes uh, we have this, or I found amongst people anyway, that they have this concept of the fire, some, somewhat similar to what the Jews used to say when Allah Azza wa mentions concerning them in the Quran, that they will say, The fire will only touch us for a few days. That's what they say. Even if we're punished, it will be for a few days, and then it will be okay. As if those few days are something which are insignificant even if it is only for a few days. A single dip within the fires we mentioned before is so grave a punishment that it would make a person forget every single blessing and comfort and joy that they ever experienced. That is how great the punishment of the fire is or how severe the punishment of the fire is. And if you were to stay there for an hour or a day, that would be something which would be unbearable, let alone, you know, even more than that a few days or a week or a month or years and so sometimes I find even amongst Muslims we have this thing where oh it's a, it's a fire and we equate it to something which is taking place here you know like oh okay you'll be in the fire but then surely after like the first like few minutes you'll die or you can't experience anything or you don't feel the pain anymore or you're burnt to ashes or whatever it may be or you know they have the because it's just difficult to until you stop and you contemplate and you see what the Salaf said in terms of their descriptions and in terms of their statements and you actually stop and you start to think now as to what it is that's being said, it is very easy to dismiss this as being something which is insignificant. 
And it is that reminder and that constant uh, you know, remembrance of the fire and its punishment that allows the person to, inshallah ta'ala, stay away to the best of their ability from sin and from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and makes them continue to perform their obligations and do what Allah Azzawajal has commanded. And that is why you will find you know, these descriptions that even the likes of Imam al-Hassan al-Basri and Muqatil and the scholars of, of tafsir from amongst the Salaf who were known for the tafsir, sometimes they will go into more detail. Like these statements of al-Hassan al-Basri and so on, you don't find them in a hadith of the Prophet He never said, وَقَتَادَ said and Muqatil said and al-Hassan said, nor is it something that you will find even amongst the companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een, but it's something that you will find within others. Like the, the Salaf, they started to mention this so that people can understand and appreciate because with the companions, for them, for you just to simply say it's the fire of hell, was enough for them. But then there comes a generation where no, you have to actually explain this a bit more. Until we come now to our time, where even maybe like an hour lecture on the fire still doesn't allow a person to appreciate the severity of what is being described here. And so when you understand that there is not a single moment of respite, there is not even the hint of comfort that is given to the people of the fire. Even the hint, the mere hint that they will have rest or that they can sit or that they can you know whatever have a drink or whatever all of that is negated from the people of the fire but instead what we have is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that at every turn at every point at every moment there will be an increase in punishment and punishment and when that person thinks that finally that's enough it's done that I'm destroyed there's nothing left Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replaces what has burnt or what has what has dissipated or was mounted from that person and it begins again and again and again and it's recurring and over and over again and so that is what we find within the text of the Quran and the Sunnah and so as in the statement of Muqatil that the water will cause a person to burn everything from their mouth onwards all the way inside all of their organs all of their different parts of their body and so on that's not the end it's replaced and it is replaced within a single moment and it's done in a way that they can continue to taste that punishment over and over again. May Allah Azza wa keep us safe from that. In, in verse number 6, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the food of the people of the fire. So this is the drink of the fire that they will be made to drink from. Aynin aniya, from a boiling, scolding spring. Now Allah Azza wa speaks about the food of the people of the fire. And that is, لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا مِنْ ضَرِيعٍ you know, if you look at the three things that Allah has focused upon in, 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 in this surah, when it comes to the people of the fire, it's the three things that are considered to be the most basic necessities or the things that we would, you know, we would take for granted or the things that are the most important things for a person when it comes to them having any type of comfort in their life or joy. Food, number one, number two, drink, and number three, rest. Right? And so if you have those three things, even if you don't have much else, but you have, alhamdulillah, you have good food and you have enough to drink and it's, it's you know pure drink that you're drinking from, it's healthy and it's good, and you have time where you can rest and rejuvenate your body and you have a good night's sleep and so on. Those are things that we take for granted, but they are so important. For those people that don't have a hot meal a day, for those people in the world that can't find clean drinking water, for those people who can't find or don't have a good night's rest because of their worries or they maybe they're suffering from some type of depression or anxiety, all of those things... For those people that lose them, they understand its value. So Allah isn't even speaking about the other types of punishment that will take place to the people of the fire. He's speaking about the most basic things. And Allah is negating them. There is no type of rest. There is no good drink. And now when it comes to food, Allah says, لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا مِنْ ضَرِيعٍ 
with no food for them except bitter, dry thorns. And that is the translation of Professor Abdul Halim. Mufti Taqi says there will be no food for them except from a thorny plant. And in Sahih International, for them there will be no food except from a poisonous thorny plant. And a similar translation from Muhsin Khan, no food will be there for them but a poisonous thorny plant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ They will have for them no food إِلَّا مِنْ Except from Dariya. The scholars of Tafsir, Qatada, Abu Jawza, Ibn Abbas, Ikrima, Mujahid, Sharik, many of the scholars of Tafsir, they said that Dari' is the name of a plant called Shibriq. And Shibriq is a thorny plant. It is one of those plants that has those really long thorns. So, you know, we have plants in the UK as well, and maybe in other parts of the world. Some of those plants, they have thorns, but they're very small thorns. But the desert plants, as you know, are plants that have very large, long, fine thorns. They look, you know, almost like one of those injections where extremely long and very pointy and they look like they would be very painful to touch or if they struck you, they would be very painful. And that's why you find in a number of those translations that they describe it as being a poison or, or, or a bitter thorn, right? a, a dry bitter thorn. The scholars of Tafsir, they say, as Imam al-Bukhari said also actually in the Sahih, he says, الضريع نبت يقال له الشبرق يسميه أهل الحجاز الضريع إذا يبس وهو سم Shibriq is when the plant is living. When the plant dies or when the thorn becomes dry and it becomes brittle, uh, not brittle, sorry, it becomes dry, then that is called dhariya amongst the people of the Hijaz. So amongst the people, the Hijaz being obviously Mecca and Medina, the area is called the Hijaz. And it is poisonous. And that's what you find in some of those translations, Mahsin Khan, Sahih International. They say it is poisonous dry thorns because that is the distinction that they make between the shibriq and the dhari'ah. Dhari'ah is when it becomes dry, shibriq is when it is still moist, right? When that plant is moist, when it dries out, it becomes poisonous. And therefore, it is something which is refused or something which people stay away from because not only is it dangerous and it's, it's, it's painful anyway, but it actually contains poison within it as well. Uh, that is what you will find amongst the majority of the scholars of tafsir, that a dhari'ah refers to this bitter thorn. And this is what the people of the fire will be made to eat. So you can imagine that when the people of the fire, again, the description that Allah is giving to us, that those people, when, if they, you know, as Al-Hasan al-Basr said, as we just mentioned, if they're made to wait for thousands of years with no food and no drink, they're going to become extremely hungry, extremely thirsty. When they're asked to eat or they ask for, they ask for food, Allah will give them food that is so thorny and so painful and so poisonous that when they start to eat it, it becomes lodged within their mouth and within their throat. And then they will ask for a drink upon it and Allah will give them that boiling water to drink upon it and that is what they will, be, will have to take in order to wash it down. And so from their extreme need of hunger and thirst, they ask for food and drink. And because the food that they give is something which in itself is so, uh, is so punishing and so tormenting and so difficult, they need to drink. And the drink that they're given is even worse because even though it may take away or it may dislodge the thorns that are stuck, it destroys everything because of 
its boiling nature and its scolding nature. That is the imagery that we are given. And that is why it was the position of a number of the scholars of tafsir, as we said, dari' that it is that bitter, dry thorn. Qatada, uh, as we said, Ibn Abbas, Ikrimah, Mujahid, Imam al-Bukhari, Ali Muhammadullah, and others, to be honest as well, uh, all of them said similar things. And others you will find sometimes in, in some of the books of tafsir that they say that dari' is shajarun min nar. It is a tree of fire. Uh, it is a tree of fire. And that's also mentioned as being one of the narrations of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhum, and also the scholar of tafsir, Ibn Zayd, that they said that it is a tree of fire. And that, and that is similar to you know, the, first, the first position, because obviously that tree is going to be, everything in the fire is from fire. And so that tree is from fire, or it's in the fire, and that plant comes from that tree that they're made to eat from. And so those two statements and those two positions, to me and Allah Azza wa knows best, seem to be very similar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But there is another position of, of some of the scholars of tafsir, such as Sa'id ibn Musayyab uh, or Sa'id ibn Jubayr, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that is that they said that al-dari' is al-hijara, that it is stones and rocks that they will be made to eat. Al-dari' refers to stones and rocks that they will be made to eat. Either way, it is something which is uh, something which cannot be eaten, it's something which you cannot consume, it's not something which is edible but it's something which will be forced and it will lodge and then they will be made to drink from that scolding, boiling water. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning to us. Al-Imam Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the dari' is a plant that is full of thorns that you find grows close to the earth, meaning that it's not something which is a long tree or a big tree, but that it's a plant that is thorny, that is close to the earth. The Quraysh used to call it shibriq when it was moist. And when it becomes dry, it is called dhari'ah. He said the animals stay away from it and they don't go close to it. Because once it becomes dry especially, then it is poisonous and it can kill. And it is the worst of food that the Arabs, or it is something which the Arabs would have considered to be the worst type of plant or the worst type of thing that a person would be made to eat. And he said, عَلَى هَذَا عَامَةُ الْمُفَسِّرِينَ And this, this is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir, meaning the dari' refers to this type of plant. And that is, as we said before, when we mentioned the names of all of those scholars, the position of the majority. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again is giving us this imagery of how these people, of how the people of the fire will exist within the fire. It is an existence. And they will stay therein. And they will remain therein. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us the way that they will exist therein. And it is, you know, to our minds, just as, as Allah mentions concerning Jannah, that within it there is nothing, there is within Jannah that which no eye has seen, which no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine. Then likewise in the fire, the things that we're told are also very similar in the sense that there are things that are beyond our ability to imagine, meaning their reality. So just as in Jannah we're told that yes, there's palaces, and yes, there's rivers, and yes, there's trees, and yes, there's food, and there's drink, and there's clothing, and so on and so forth. All of those things that we have its descriptions for in the Quran and in the Sunnah of the Prophet. But we're told the reality of those things isn't what you can imagine. So, yes, there's food, and we understand the concept of food. There's drink, and we understand the concept of drink. There's couches, and there's, you know, there's mattresses, and there's all. We understand all those concepts. They're familiar words to us, the concepts are known to us. But the reality of what is contained in Jannah is not unlike anything that you know of. You can't imagine. You think of the most amazing palace in the dunya, 
the most amazing food in the dunya, it is nothing in comparison to what is what exists on uh, in Jannah. And so that is the meaning of this hadith that it's what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine. Meaning that its reality is something which is beyond you. And that is why Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu used to say there is nothing in Jannah from the things of the dunya except names. Meaning that it's the same name. You call this water, that's called water. You call this wine, that's called wine. You call this milk, that's called milk. And so on and so forth. But the reality of that milk and that wine and that water and everything else is something which you cannot imagine. The fruits, the trees, everything. And so likewise with the fire. Yes, we're told that they will be given dry thorns. They were told that there will be boiling water to drink. We're told that there will be all of these things that we have the descriptions of in the fire. And if you were to bring them all together, and we've mentioned a number of them already, by the way, in Surah Al-Humaza and in other surahs of the Quran, in Surah Al-Balad, in a number of the surahs of the Quran, Allah Azza wa Jal already in Juz Amma, we've mentioned some of the descriptions of the fire. If you were to bring all of those together, you would see the different types of punishments. But the reality of them, again, is something which you cannot imagine. So even if you think of the most boiling type of water that you can think of in this world, it's nothing compared to the boiling water that Allah Azza wa will give the people of the fire to drink on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that's why we mentioned the hadith, I believe, probably last year. Uh, and we may have mentioned it like a number of times. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ compared the fire of this dunya to the fire of the hereafter. And he said that it's only one of the 70 parts of the fire of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And the fire of this dunya at its most intense, at its highest boiling point or highest like heat point is something which, which can consume and destroy. We've seen all of us like on our TVs and so on. We've seen the images of raging wildfires and what they destroy. They destroy everything in its path. And it's one of those things which is extremely difficult to control. How much, like how many, like thousands of acres of forest are wiped out in a single fire? How many buildings are destroyed in a single fire? How many people can die? May Allah just save us from that in a single uh, fire. All of those things that you see, that is only one of the 70 parts of the fire of, of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so that then allows you, or at least you start to see the wide difference between the two. And so when Allah just speaks about the people of the fire and their food and their drink and so on, it is much worse than you can imagine and much worse than we can possibly imagine. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the concepts close to us so that we can at least begin to understand them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elsewhere in the Quran when he speaks about uh, in other places of the Quran when he speaks about the people of the fire he says that they will eat from zaqqum right which is the tree zaqqum and in other places in the Quran or in another place in the Quran Allah says wala ta'amun illa min ghislin that they will be made to eat from ghislin uh, the teacher of our teacher Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shalqiti rahimahullah ta'ala as he often does in his tafsir one of the things that he does, and it's actually a, a book that he wrote uh, outside of his tafsir, uh, separate to his tafsir, but in some of the prints of his tafsir, Adwa al-Bayan, you find that it's mentioned uh, that the book was placed at the end of his tafsir, and in other editions, it's printed separately. But either way, you can get it separately, you can get it as part of the tafsir. He wrote a book called Daf'i Ihamul Ittirab. And what he did in this book is he came to bring all of the verses together that there seems to be some type of difficulty, like they don't seem to reconcile with one another. So for example here, Allah is saying that they will have no food except tariya. But in another verse, he said they will have no food except ghislin. So how do we reconcile between the two? 
Right? This is what he does in that book. So Allah says they can have no food except tariyah. And in another verse, no food except ghislin. But ghislin is not tariyah. Right? And in another, in another verse, we're told that they would only eat from zakum. So it's given a third description. So now, how can you only eat from one and only eat from this one? You either have one or the other. You can't only eat from one or, or only eat from that one. And so these are the types of things that he does in that book. And there is a very, very good book. It is one of the best works written in that regard. In which he mentions, you know, he'll mention, for example, Imam al-Tabri said this, and Ibn Taymiyyah said this, and whatever. He'll mention, and, and sometimes he has his own positions as well, rahimahullah ta'ala, in terms of uh, how to reconcile between what people may consider at first glance, uh, sometimes to be contradictory, or sometimes that there is like some type of conflict between those two verses. And he says, actually, you know, as we know in the Quran, there is no uh, contradiction or there is no uh, conflict in terms of the verses. It's just that we haven't understood them correctly or that there is a meaning there that perhaps we haven't understood. So when it comes to this particular verse or these verses concerning the food of the people of the fire, he said that there are a number of um, you know a number of answers that the scholars gave in terms of how we reconcile these verses. He said, but the best of them in my position are two. So two of those many reasons that have been given by the scholars of tafsir, he says the best of them are two. And that's, that's what he often does, rather than mention all of them, because the book isn't a very large book. Rather than mention all of the positions of the scholars of tafsir, because sometimes that can become extremely long, he chooses sometimes one, sometimes two, sometimes three, four. Depending on the verses, he mentions a couple that he considers to be the strongest. And as we know, he was a, a major scholar of tafsir, and also he was a scholar of the Arabic language which is very important when it comes to these uh, these types of issues, to have a very ground, a very strong grounding in the Arabic language and its different sciences and its different, you know, different uh, associated sciences is something which is extremely important. And that's what we mentioned, you know, in the first special that we did when it comes to waqf al-ibtida. A lot of the sciences of the Quran, uh, especially when it comes to qira'ah and even tafsir, a lot of them are closely linked to the Arabic language. And so for you to be a strong student in tafsir, or in Quran, in Qiraat, or in Tajweed, or in any of these waqf and any of these sciences that are related, you have to have a level of grasp of the Arabic language. And the stronger that your grasp is of the Arabic language, and I don't just mean by that grammar, but also in terms of the actual Arabic uh, morphology itself and the Arabic the Arabic root words and so on. Because grammar, you know, is, is basically essentially how to how to end the word. Right, whether there's going to be a fatha or a kasra or what its position is within the sentence in terms of its grammatical position in, in that sentence. But then there is the actual Arabic words itself. Right, There's actually the Arabic words itself, what are their root words? Because sometimes a single word can have three, four similar roots. And so depending upon that root, you will change the meaning of the word. And so that, that's also something which is important. And then you have, for example, understanding the, 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 the poetry of the Arabs and their, and, their, um, and their eloquence, the eloquence of the Arabic language and so on. All of those things are connected to the Arabic language. The stronger your grasp of them, the stronger you will be in terms of your tafsir and, and so on. And so that's one of the challenges that we face, especially as you know, even those of us that have studied Arabic and have learnt Arabic and speak Arabic. Most of us, we studied Arabic to a degree where we could communicate and speak and read. Alhamdulillah, it's good for our studies. But very few of us uh, delve deep into the Arabic language. Just like most of us in the English language aren't experts in the English language. We don't really 
you know, do a PhD in English literature or English language. We haven't really delved into into the syntax of the, of the English language and all of those. We, none of us are like experts, linguists or anything of the English language. But, you know, we have enough in terms of like we're, we're speakers and we're, we're educated in English and so on. But if you were to go in deeply into the roots of the English language and its words and how they formed and so on, most of us wouldn't have a clue because it's not something which we studied. The Arabic language is very similar. Most people that can speak Arabic and converse aren't necessarily experts in the Arabic language because that requires a level of deep study and reading classical works and books that unless you're going to specialize in that field, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be well, uh, you know, well, uh, or you're going to have a mastery over it or be well-versed within those particular sciences. And that's why you find that often the, the, like the, the scholars of Tafsir who were also very strong in the Arabic language or had a great emphasis in the Arabic language, you know, you will find that they are extremely strong. And that's something which you find, especially amongst the Salaf, the early Salaf, which is why the words are very short. If we always, when we go through this Tafsir of Qatada and Ibn Abbas and Mujahid and Iqlima, it is normally a few words, it's just a statement. Whereas now, if you were, someone's trying to Tafsir now of that single verse, they'd probably write like you know, three, four lines or maybe even half a page or maybe even a page. Whereas you find that rarely amongst the Salaf. Because their grasp of the Arabic language was so strong that they could simply say, oh, this actually means that. And this is like we've done now with this word, Dariya. So anyway, that's like a, a slight tangent. But anyway, uh, Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, he says, to reconcile these verses, they won't have any food except Dariya or no food except Ghislin and so on. He said that there are two answers that I consider to be the best. He said the first of them is that the punishment of the people of the fire will be of varying types and forms. So not everyone will be punished in the same way. So when Allah says that they will have no food except tari' that's referring to one group of people of the fire. And these people, there will be no food for them except ghislin, that is another group of the fire. Because not everyone's punishment of the fire is one and the same. Just as in Jannah, not everyone's reward is one and the same. As we know, there are levels. And within those levels, there are varying uh, types of reward. So some people have greater reward, some people have less reward. Some people have more, some people, and so on and so forth. And so they are not all equal. Yes, they are equal in the sense that all of them are in Jannah. And Allah is pleased with all of them. And Allah has given to all of them their mercy. But then in the detail, the minutiae, they are varying. And they are of different levels. So likewise, the people of the fire, he says, There are different forms of punishment and there are different groups of people within the fire. So for some of them, they will only have ghislin, and some of them only zakum, and some of them only dariya. He said that is the first answer. The second answer, which is also a good answer, is that when Allah says that they will have no food, what he is negating from them is that they will have no food. He says, that because these things, ghislin, you know, dari, which we said are like bitter thorns or stones or rocks or whatever they are, they are not called food. In any sense of the word, you would not describe them as being food. Animals don't eat them, let alone humans. And so it's not something which, and so when Allah says they will have no food except dari, he's not saying that dari is a type of food, he's saying they will have no food, but instead they will be made to chew and eat thorns and rocks and stones and so on and so forth. And so therefore there is actually no conflict between the verses anyway. Because when Allah says they will have no food except ghislin, no food except dari', they are not foods. And so the no food part stands for all of those people. 
but rather what they're given is other types of things that they are made to eat that are actually not edible. They are forced to eat them by way of punishment, but no one would consider them to be a source of nourishment or a source of food. Or a source. That's not the, the reason for them being given those things. And that's why he says, وَكَذَلِكَ الْغِسْلِينَ وَلَيْسَ مِنَ الطَّعَامِ غِسْلِينَ Also isn't a type of food. فَمَنْ طَعَامُهُ الضَّرِيعَ لَا طَعَامَ لَهُ So those people who are made to eat tari' are not being given food. وَمَنْ طَعَامُهُ الْغِسْلِينُ كَذَلِكَ And likewise, uh, you know, those people that are being given غِسْلِينَ they're not being given food. And so when Allah Azza wa Jalla says that they will have no food, that part still stands. And what they're being given instead is other things that are not considered to be food but that they are made to eat. And he said it is similar to the Arabs when they say Fulanun la lahu illa shams. So and so, the only shade they have is the sun. They have no shade. So when you say they have no shade except the sun, you understand the sun doesn't give shade. So that statement, the first part of the statement, they have no shade, actually still stands. But rather you're saying that they're being made to stand in the sun for a long period of, of time. And, and and likewise, you know, and, and uh, he... He gives another example as well, um, you know, anyway, but he goes like kind of as he often does, he goes into the Arabic language and goes into some of the minutiae of the Arabic language and so on. And he says, And so on this second tafsir or on this second understanding, there is no conflict anyway. There is no, uh, you know, there's no like, uh, there's, there's no need to reconcile because the meaning is actually still intact. And I think both of those positions are, are good positions. Both of those positions and both of them can stand on Allah Azza wa knows best. That the food that those people are given actually wouldn't be called food. It wouldn't be described as food by anyone. Uh, and at the same time, we in the fire, there will be different types of, of people in terms of their punishment, different groups in terms of their punishment, and different types of punishment that they will be given. And so it's not necessary that everyone will receive the same exact punishment. Yes, the general thing, all of them will be given a drink, all of them will be given a food. But those types of foods can differ, and those types of drinks can differ depending upon the punishment of those people. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning the people of the fire, therefore, that their drink will be that scalding, boiling water. Their food will be these bitter, dry, poisonous thorns. And then Allah Azza says in verse number 7, La yusminu wa la yughni min ju'a, that neither nourish nor satisfy hunger and I think all the translations will probably be uh, very similar Sahih International which neither nourishes nor avails against hunger neither nourish nor satisfy hunger yeah so they're pretty much all the same uh, in terms of their translation and so Allah says therefore and this is like why those scholars said that it wouldn't be considered to be food because food has you know two things that it does like two major points number one is that it takes away the pangs of hunger, gives you strength, and number two, that it gives you nourishment, gives you energy. The food that the people of the fire will be given does neither of the two. So in fact, what they're being given is another form of punishment to add upon the punishment that they already experience. What they don't have is extra, is anything that nourishes them. And that's why we said, what I said at the beginning, that any even notion of comfort, even notion of, you know, even the slightest notion of them being given anything which has any positivity attached to it, is negated in the Quran and in the Sunnah, and that shows how wretched those people are. May Allah Azza wa save us from that. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala not make us from amongst those people. How wretched they are, 
that Allah doesn't even afford to them that slightest type of comfort. Even the notion, the concept, the very idea that they would have something which is positive is negated from them. So Allah here, when He says they will have a type of food, meaning something to eat, something that they have to digest or something that they have to consume, just so that people don't misunderstand, just so that me and you don't think, oh, okay, so at least there's food there, at least you get something, there's some type of sustenance, Allah negates that. And He says, لا يسمن ولا يغني من جوع Doesn't nourish, nor does it satisfy from hunger. So if it doesn't nourish you, doesn't strengthen you, doesn't sustain you, doesn't actually even take away the hunger, the very reason that the people of the fire will ask for that food is because of the thousands of years or the you know long, extremely long time that they will be waiting to eat without any type of food. Then now all of a sudden they're given something to eat, but it doesn't even take away the pangs of the hunger from which they were suffering. Then what is that food except another form and type of punishment? And that is what Imam Tabari Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said in the tafsir of this verse, لا يسمن هذا الضريع يوم القيامة أكلته من أهل النار That this dari' the people who eat it, will not be nourished from it. They will find no nourish from it, the people who consume it from the people of the fire. ولا يشبعهم من جوع يصيبهم No will in any way satisfy the hunger that they will face in the fire. Um, and Ibn Ashur, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said that the word siman means the fat that you have on your body. That's essentially the meaning of uh, the fat that it places upon your body. That is called siman in the Arabic language. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, when He says that they will have no, they will, it will not give them any type of nourishment, meaning that it doesn't add anything to their body. You eat and you put on muscle, or you, you, know, you take from it as we do you know, in, in this world, protein and carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals and all those things that your body requires in order for it to be able to sustain itself and do certain things. The existence of the people of the fire will be completely different. Just as, as we know the people of Jannah, their existence is different as well. In Jannah, you don't need to, you, know, you eat for the pleasure of eating. You don't have to worry, worry about your calories in Jannah. You don't need to watch your weight in Jannah. You don't need to worry that this is overloaded with sugar or it's got too much of this. No, because Allah will have removed all of those impurities from the people of Jannah. And so what the people of Jannah have is eternal bliss in every way, shape or form. They don't have to worry about going to the bathroom. They don't have to worry about disease. They don't have to worry about sickness. They don't have to worry about... Allah has given to them everything that they require in terms of bliss. But likewise, the people of the fire or similarly to that, the people of the fire, they exist also without needing any nourishment, meaning that they will not just die from a lack of nourishment, from a lack of sustenance, that because they're not eating or consuming anything like in this world, if you didn't eat or you didn't drink after a certain period of time, you would die. Your body wouldn't be able to survive. You need water and you need a certain amount of food and sustenance in order for you to be able to survive. The people of fire, of the fire, Allah will give them a life and he will make them exist without those needs just as the people of Jannah will also exist without needing the certain things that we require in this dunya and so that is what uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning those people and so we see and that is verse number 7 is the end of the description of the punishment of the people of the fire in Surah Al-Ghashiyah but we see from it these verses from verse 2 onwards 7 these six, five six verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala paints for us a picture or he gives to us a description of the punishment of the fire that shows its severity and shows how those people will have no respite, no joy, no comfort. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us and our families from that. May Allah protect us all.
with his rahma and with his mercy. Okay, so inshallah ta'ala, we will, uh, I think, conclude there for today, and from next week, verse 8 onwards, then goes on to speak about the people of, of Jannah. If there's any questions, inshallah, we will take them, and if not, then we can conclude for today. Any questions? Or if not, then inshallah we will conclude. Is the shibliq similar in any way to a cactus plant? I don't know, Allah alam. I didn't really research uh, shibliq in, in terms of like what it refers to. Like in the English language, I don't know what the uh, like the, the trees and the plants that are desert plants and like are particular to certain countries and so on. It's not always uh, possible to get like an accurate translation for exactly what they are in the English language. But if someone wants to look that up, and then inshallah they can benefit us next week, that would be good. Okay, barakallahu feekum, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.